Hey everyone, this is the Rival and Queen podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Sarah. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Thursday. We have a lot, lot to go over this week, Sarah. We're so amped to be here with you, though, from the start. What all the love. I'm feeling all the love from my heart right now. Good. And thank you all for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you're feeling nice or just leave us a review anyway, even if you're not, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> Hopefully you're feeling nice when you leave us a review and check us out on YouTube. Ash has created a vlog series of us, which I credit to her, but we just posted our skin treatments from last week. Yeah. So you can see in depth everything that happened when we got, Ashley got microneedling and I got photo rejuvenation. We really went in depth. <laughs> and it's been a full week since we got the services done. You're fully healed. I'm healed. Your skin looks great. Thank you. It feels really nice. What I'm noticing the most is it just feels a lot more even. You're probably feeling the same. Yeah, I got um, a bunch of my freckles flaked off, but some of my sunspots are completely gone. So I'm mm -hmm. so happy. Anyway, I've, I'm just very pleased. Huge fans of these, Huge fans. these treatments. Definitely looking forward to my next one because I feel like there'll be even more improvements. Yeah, I feel like your skin's like glowing right now. It's oh, beautiful. Thank you. It feels really hydrated and feels good. It was a scary few days, but I'm happy now with, with that's the, behind us. The hickey on your forehead, courtesy of a... It was big. A big, a big hickey. It was very funny. Ashley, we had a beautiful weekend. We did. We had a lovely dinner. We had like a super dinner with Vicky Mina on Saturday night. It was the night of cooking. It was the best meal, I think. And really just the best experience, you know? You know what? I've been getting, this sounds terrible. I've been getting sick of going out to restaurants, so which, I, okay. No, like actually. And I feel like you're not allowed to say that post COVID because like we weren't allowed to go for so long, but I think we just went wild to an extent and to have a night in where we cooked was like luxurious. Well, and I think that going out, especially to bars and restaurants has changed so much that there's less of the kind of moving about and socializing. You're more so with your group at your table, which I feel like is just better to do at the comfort of your own home. It's a different experience. Like I do really love going out, but I eat differently when I go out and I, I just listen, eating <laughs> a huge meal that we prepared on our own was amazing. And Vicky taught us all about some Lebanese cooking, which was like. Sarah, the, tell, them, tell them one of the dishes that Vicky made since you've mastered yeah, it. Yeah, I've mastered the pronunciation of this, guys. I, buckle up. Uh, we had some baba harush. Baba harush, <laughs> which was incredible and super easy to make. But it was such a beautiful Not blend. Ganush, ranush. Yeah, ranush. It was such a beautiful spread and just lovely to spend time with Vicky and and relax at home. Also, this is how ridiculous we made this dinner. I needed a bit of chicken for our pasta. So instead of just cooking like a few chicken breasts, I roasted an entire chicken that I seasoned with a Middle Eastern seasoning that I made from scratch. It was delicious. And I just want to put it out there that I do love going to restaurants and supporting all the delicious restaurants, but I'm with you, Sarah. I think that We've just been going out 
a lot. Like we're going out for dinner again this week. There's just a lot. So I feel like we just need to dial it in and save some money at the same time. No, it's just nice as a change of pace to actually spend an evening in. I think that's more of a fall activity too. Mm -hmm. Like it's just in the summer, we're not having a four course dinner party eating for three hours. But the holidays are coming. We're going to (laughs) be eating lots more. Sign me up for the cooking and all the food. Also, the thing that made this, here's just a moment from Saturday night. Ash, Vicky and I were like in playing with the poodles. Obviously we have poodles around. So that's what I was focused on. And Ashley was out by herself at the dinner table with like music going and candles. And the ta- she decorated the table and you were so happy. Just I was so happy. Well, I had already gone in and visited Rory, which is the poodle that lives at your house. Yep. And he was just not interested. So then Vicky wanted to go and, and visit the poodles and see the dogs. I was like, I've already done that. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy the lovely French cafe music that's there <laughs> with candlelight by myself. And I got a, a bit more pasta and then I just was drinking my wine. I was so happy. So thank you. That you was were so happy. a beautiful night. I love it. We were just being indulgent. Everyone, I hope you're indulging a little bit. I think that's beautiful. Ashley, um, I just want to tell you one thing. Tell me. So today I had an idea while I was dancing in between working. Like that's how I get ready to work sometimes. I got to get the creative juices flowing. And what I thought was when I get a home, I want a dance room in it or like a space that's always set up for dancing. Like a bar studio? No, I do not want it for exercise. I want it solely for dance parties. And I was thinking like, this is the beauty of having your own house. You don't have to have rooms that normal people put in their rooms. Like I could have a dance party room and just get the party lights set up all the time and like a super dope sound system. And then you could have like a water tap there so you could drink. And like maybe super soundproof it so you could just dance all the time. I'm, I'm looking around our studio. And if we move this table, I feel like that could happen in here one night, Sarah. But what I was saying is like you'd really have to put the soundproofing up. So if like you were working from home and someone was in another room working, they could still do that. But you could still have like a 2 p.m. dance party. Okay. I think that should be a room in more people's houses. I mean... It's, I I can already picture it in your next house. Would you put, like, what would be a creative room you'd put in your house? Um, It depends how big my house is, if I have options for these types of rooms. Oh, my mind, I have have room for a dance room. Totally. But I'm picturing all glass, like, also could partner as being a workout room for yoga, but just like a plain room with cork floors and white walls, and then you could make it. A dance studio. Okay, you could have the dance studio in there. Anyway, this uh, would be great. If people have creative rooms in their ha- homes, please tell us. We would love to know. Yes, I bet Laura does, who is who we have on our podcast because she is such an amazing, beautiful, creative person. Uh, Laura is a psychedelic advocate, Laura Don, who has been exploring sacred plant medicines for about 20 years. And she joined us all the way from Hawaii, Sarah, which it was super cool. And she was just so lovely and a wealth of knowledge. And I do want to say, I know she definitely has creative spaces in her home because when she did the call with us, she was sitting oh, in a retrofitted bus. So, she, And she was outside too. <laughs> it had like an outside space. So she definitely is into the creative living spaces for sure. Oh, the things that could happen. <laughs> Our conversation with Laura was awesome. Like as Ashley said, it was basically an intro to psychedelics and also microdosing. So she introduced us to different types of plant medicines that you can work with. And also the thing I really 
you know, what was really nice about this conversation with Laura is psychedelics, although there's a recreational place for them, she's also working with people much more now to use psychedelics for spiritual use, business use. And really we go through kind of the experiences of working with plant medicine in that way, Mm -hmm. but also the benefits. And we talked a lot about set and setting and how to have a safe experience. Mm -hmm. That was one of my biggest takeaways was the set and settings, because I think it well, we talked about that. Even if you're using cannabis, whatever it is that you're trying, if it's not kind of the right environment, perhaps with the right people, and you have that intention, she talks about kind of bringing intention to these experiences that make a big difference. And that really made me think differently about it because I don't know, it just did. It did. Like you had a great, I was so happy we did this episode because I could like hear you and see your like mind open to this while we were in mid-episode recording with Laura. Well, and Laura just brought such a really good perspective, I think. And, you know, she, she just, I don't know, she made me open up a bit more to exactly um, what this kind of experience could look like. Totally. And here, so the reason that I was really interested in learning more was because it is something that, you know, in the seventies and things like that was very popular with a lot of tech founders. And that's really was one of the kind of contexts where I'd first like, learned about psychedelics. What a Burning Man, I think probably a, a lot of people are familiar with that. Yeah, but I, I'm so, sorry, the context I'm talking about is like people were using it for ideation and mm-hmm. actually working in businesses. And that context has come back into popularity a lot. And that's one of the way that Laura works with a lot of entrepreneurs, actually. And so it was from this concept of like psychedelics could be used in a creative process in work and things like that, that really got me interested in it and learning more but you're right it does it's very popular um yeah probably most popular like people have heard of those and I've actually heard of people not anyone I know but just you know (laughs) through the internet and tv that have gone to those things and it's completely life-changing like they've changed their life just from kind of having this experience and also about how psychedelics I thought was interesting how they kind of remove the beliefs that you may already have that are kind of set inside you since you were young. Yeah, so it promotes mental flexibility Mm -hmm. and it can help you change those stories that you might carry with you. And that was, we talked about that a lot in the episode. It was so... It's very interesting. It was so interesting and it really opened my mind to it in a new way and I learned a ton. It was awesome. Yeah, and Laura was great. So I'm so excited. Should we we dive in? Yeah, so for anyone interested, if you want to learn more, you can sign up for Laura's free eight-day microdosing course at Live livefreelauraD.com and you can follow her on Instagram as well at livefreelauraD we'll link those in the show notes for you guys all right enjoy let's dive in we want to welcome Laura and Laura I just want to start by saying I don't know a lot about microdosing at all. And honestly, it's something that I've only heard about in the last year. It was last fall that I kind of heard about this concept. So we're so happy that you're joining us. So welcome. And we can't wait to to dive in. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy. This has been like a topic that I've been so interested in for the last few months. And we connected a few weeks ago, Laura, and actually you are a native Canadian. You are you are from Montreal, mm-hmm. now based yep. in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and have been studying plant medicine for over 20 years. That's right. 
Yeah, I've been working with plant medicines for over 20 years. Um, and then in the past about decade, you know, in the past few years, things have really changed on the scene in terms of information. And, you know, there's finally been a ban on governmental research that's been lifted after decades of, of no research in the psychedelic field happening. So it's really amazing to, to see that shift. And so, you know, with all of the, the research coming out, I'm very much more immersed in actually studying the, the understanding of what's happening. And it actually is still very much so a mystery, even for the neuroscientists and, you know, a lot of the universities that are studying it now. But yeah, working with plant medicines for 20 years and in the past, you know, five to 10, really immersing in, in understanding how, how these molecules work in our brain and our body and our minds. And I'm assuming this is something that's been around for so, so long, any of these kind of psychedelics and the concept of microdosing. But it's so interesting that it's something that's been coming up more mainstream and in more of our friend circles and things people are kind of talking about or curious about exactly what this is. So I think this is going to be very helpful for us and our listeners. Okay, great. I can't wait to answer all your questions. I guess, can we just start by explaining to us what microdosing is? Like, what does that actually mean? Uh huh. Okay, well, maybe we could define what a psychedelic is yes, first. Which perfect. Is, yeah, let's do that. And plant so medicines. It's a little, you know, hard to fully pin down, but it's essentially a class of... Uh, psychoactive drugs, and I'll use the word drugs in air quotes, and we can get back to that in a minute. Um, but they're, they're, they basically affect the mind. So they're hallucinatory drugs that shift our perception, and they basically trigger a non-ordinary state of consciousness. So there's a lot of different, um, you know, psychedelics. The classic ones are psilocybin, uh, also known as magic mushrooms, LSD, DMT found in the Amazonian ayahuasca brew. Now there's 5-MDMT coming onto the scene. And then there's other um, uh, plant medicines and, and drugs sort of uh, similar to psychedelics, but aren't exactly a classical psychedelic like MDMA and mescaline and things like that. But they do also um, affect, you know, altered states of consciousness. So, um, and, and now there's, you know, there's really a lot of different names coming on the scene for even defining psychedelics. So the, the root name psychedelic actually means mind manifesting. So it shifts our perception and it tends to amplify how we're feeling and, and what we, what we already believe and, and, uh, you know, our, our thoughts and our feeling state. That's why set and setting is so important um, we could talk about that as well. But now, you know, there's other words that are starting to really come on the scene for psychedelics, like entheogen, which means entheo, the root word of entheo means um, uh, divinity, coming to know God or, you know, the divinity within. And so in, inspired, inspirited. So that is more of my, my actual preferred name and word for psychedelics is entheogens, because it's it more connotates uh, the intention of working with it for spiritual purposes and reasons. Ooh, I love all this. And so at its heart, these are natural medicines that have a psychedelic effect on us. That's correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so microdosing is just taking a very small amount of a psychedelic substance. And so I, I think it's important that we start redefining, you know, this, the, the name drug, you know, is mm -hmm. it's 
for me, it's more of a psychedelic medicine. And I think more and more that the research is happening, people are seeing these as very potential uh, catalysts for transformation, for healing, for growth. And it is really interesting because so much of the way that our culture has, uh, we adopted the, the Nixon propaganda war on drugs understanding of psychedelics. And so you know, and those times are changing. Thank God. I'm so grateful that I can speak openly about my experience with plant medicines. I mean, I, I never really felt shy expressing what my experience was even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, but the cultural narrative is shifting so much. And, and it, it is really promising to see the way that they're, they're not being demonized as quote unquote drugs anymore because they act very differently they actually heal addiction rather than other drugs like cocaine, which cause addiction. So psychedelics have, have other properties that help, um, yeah, heal, heal mental illness, heal um, addiction, heal depression, PTSD, all the, the major things that are, are uh, so common and prevalent in our society today. One of the things that you brought up is that we're kind of changing. I know like back in the 70s, um, you know, we both come from the tech background. I think we talked about this before. LSD and things like that were so popular among so many entrepreneurs when they're creating. Uh, it was part of their process for like envisioning. Creativity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And now it seems to be coming back very popular in the entrepreneurial community. Uh, you just touched mm-hmm. on the spirit aspect of it. What is this change? Like why is this coming back and starting to be looked at as a more accepted kind of form. Yeah, it's the research. You know, it's so interesting. It's like the research is just confirming what, um, you know, spiritual traditions have been talking about for a long time. So these, a lot of these, especially, you know, ayahuasca, peyote, other plant medicines, these have been worked with for thousands of years. Um, and so research now is starting to confirm what a lot of these indigenous cultures have been you know, saying for, for so many years. And unfortunately, that is the the reality that we live in today, where we need that confirmation and that proof. And, and, you know, for a lot of people, you know, myself included, for the many years that I was working with psychedelics before, you know, this huge emergence and psychedelic renaissance really started taking the mainstream by storm, I mean, I knew, and so many of the people I was working with with these these substances, I I knew. I remember having one very distinct LSD trip, sitting on a palapa in a beach in Mexico with my ex partner, thinking, you know, if only everyone in the world could experience this, we would live in a very different place. Now that being said, psychedelics aren't for everyone, so I want to make that absolutely clear. I'm not, uh, you know, a psychedelic pusher. I think everyone needs to make informed choices for themselves. But when these substances that have, you know, all substances and all technologies that look at remotely promising, they start to infiltrate the uh, military. That's where the a lot of the testing started happening was with um, U.S. military. And they saw right away, you know, instead of wanting to fight, uh, people were wanting to find healing and not fight. And they didn't, you know, connect to a purpose of going to kill other people. And so you know, it was it was immediately recognized as uh, okay. We we cannot let this get out into the mainstream, which is what um, you know led to the the propaganda and the war on drugs with Nixon and you know and um, yeah. So that's I mean, there's so much history there. And a really great book if people are interested is 
Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. It's, you know, one of the major things. It's a landmark, you know, we'll look back on this time and recognize Michael Pollan for for pretty much, you know, almost single-handedly, like, shifting the cultural narrative around it. You know, when I was in Europe at, um, uh, I dropped into my friend's uh, psychedelic retreat center. They do psilocybin journeys. And, um, you know, and it's a great place for people to go who are new to working with psychedelics and they want to have like a more formal setting. And I went to sit in on a weekend retreat. And, you know, when the the facilitators ask people, you know, who's here because of Michael Pollan's book and nine out of 10 people will put their hands up. So mm-hmm. he he really talked a lot about the the what's happened culturally, the narrative, how the narrative's changing and how it's finally just getting the proper recognition that it deserves. That's so interesting. So you're when you're referencing how it kind of, I want to say it just spreads more peace, love, happiness. That's kind of what I'm like understanding. But what exactly does it do to us? Like how does it actually affect us, affects us to feel these um, certain things? Yeah, I mean, that it's a huge question. I'm not a neuroscientist, but I do a lot of the neuroscience research. I also... Um, and launching my own podcast called Medicine for Change. So I've been interviewing other neuroscientists and listened to so many of the talks that happened with some of the most famous psychedelic researchers like Robin Carrot-Harris at Imperial. You know, there's there's a lot going on right now, Johns Hopkins University. But essentially, these all of these different, uh, that's why I call them the, the classical psychedelics like LSD, psilocybin, DMT, they, they all share a similar compound, a similar structure. And so the way that that works is that it's actually an agonist to a serotonin receptor that we have in the brain. So if we wanted to get super geeky about it and really get technical, basically it acts on the the serotonin system in the brain. And when there's a flooding of this specific serotonin receptor, the 5-HT2A receptor, then we're starting to see a lot of other cascading effects that happen. And they don't still really quite know. You know, one thing that they're pointing to is that this default mode network in the brain kind of goes offline. It it quiets down. And the default mode network is our me network. Every time you get a a ping on Instagram, you know, every time you see somebody like you or, you know, something like that, that's like the the network that sits on top of this hierarchy of networks that's like the story of me, the the, the Mm. story of who I am. And so when that goes offline, things really start to shift. And so we don't realize that we do this, but we hold such strong storylines about who we think we are, what we think we're capable of. It's like the self-imposed box that we don't realize that we've made this agreement that we are going to adhere to these guidelines for our entire lives. And that's why change is really hard, because every time you have a thought, it strengthens a neural connection in your brain. Every time you repeat the same thought over and over again, and now we know that, you know, the average person thinks on, on average 60 to 70,000 thoughts and 90% of them are on repeat from the day, day before. So we're really strengthening patterns. We're strengthening behaviors. We're strengthening habits, but we're also strengthening the story of me. And that's why people feel like they need to defend their, who, their, their self-construct, their self-identity. And, and this is part of the reason that I think, you know, you know, quote unquote, like loosely held, maybe the world would be a better place if, you know, more people work with psychedelics <laughs> is because you're letting go of the stronghold of this is who I am and this is what I believe to be true. And right now we live in polarized, divided times 
part of that, if you haven't watched The Social Dilemma yet, you absolutely watch that documentary. It will change the way that you relate to social media. But social media is this huge psychological experiment that is changing our culture. And, you know, this is the first time that it's ever happened like this and that people have individualized news feeds. Okay, so this is a little bit of a side tangent, but it really does tie in because when people are just have the same news feed back to them. So it's like all the people on one side of a political party only watch news on that side. And then the people on the other side only watch news on that side. And the way the algorithms are set up are to divide people. And Mm. now we see other countries are using it as tools to help divide people, literally. And we know now, research shows they're doing studies on this, we live in such polarized times. And so where psychedelics come into this is that we know the research shows that they lend to a shift in a trait personality called openness. So we become more open, open open-minded, you know, people who are low on the, the openness, which is one of the big five personality traits, very closed-minded, not open to new ideas. You know, they did studies at Johns Hopkins. 14 months later, people showed uh, ongoing sustaining of this trait called openness. And openness tends to decline as we age. So think of openness as, you know, imagination, curiosity, being willing to have conversations with people that you don't know without defending what you believe to be true and taking it personally. And and so, you know, for me, what my approach is, is like, how can we work with psychedelics in a mindful way that help improve the way that we show up that find, you know, global planetary healing amongst very divided times? So it can go from, you know, very individual level to how do we help improve our habits? How do we help enhance cognitive flexibility towards like, how do we learn how to hold like a civil conversation with people who we fundamentally disagree with? (laughs) I love that. The openness of all of this. And just so can you tell us a bit more than like, what are some of the benefits? You openness is obviously a huge one, but what are some of these other things that come from psychedelics? And can I ask one question as well? Is it something... Sarah knows a bit more about this than I do, but we still don't know a lot. I'm as you're speaking, I'm wondering, is it something that happens right away or does it take a process to kind of like get to this, these experiences? Okay. I think before we get into those two questions, I think it's really important to address this notion of what we call set and setting. So this is foundational and so amazing. You know, even two years ago, three years ago, you would never hear anyone talk about plant medicine integration. And now it's like the main buzzword. You hear it everywhere. Same with set and setting. And so Timothy Leary, who was a a psychedelic advocate in the 60s and 70s, he was the one who first started saying that set and setting really determines 90% of the experience that you have, which is a huge determining factor. So when they first discovered psychedelic compounds, you know, when uh, Albert Hoffman first discovered LSD and had his first, you know, bicycle ride on a mind altering experience like way back in the day, decades and decades ago, you know, they were like, wow, okay, this is really powerful. And they took this substance and started testing people in a lot of different environments. And so when they put people, you know, gave them psychedelics and then put them under harsh lighting in a, you know, hospitalized setting and ask them very stressful, you know, stress testing people, of course, that's going to look like psychosis, you know, for example. And so the best way I like to describe it, and I think it's like for those of you who who watch Star Wars, for example, you know, like the force, 
that the force we know can be used for good or evil. And so I usually like to tell people that psychedelics are similar in the sense that it's a really powerful tool, just like a knife. If you were to give somebody a, you know, who's classified as a sociopath, a knife and say, go do whatever you want with it, that might have really damaging repercussions. But if you would give someone, you know, who's creative and who wants to find solutions to the challenges we face, they might take that knife and find a new way to conduct surgery to save lives. So think of psychedelics in that way. It's a powerful force. And so set and setting play a big determining factor in the outcome. And so Hmm. set is referred to mindset. So it's our pre-existing attitudes, you know, the, how we feel. If you just had a huge argument with your partner, not a great time to go and take five grams of mushrooms. I mean, it could be helpful, but you want to start being more aware of things like that. So it's cool to see the way the literature is changing and the way that our, our culture is changing the way that we support people through these experiences. So set is mindset and setting is the, the setting. So if I am, you know, I mean, I, I, I do, I am a, an, a supporter of recreational use, although, you know, within safe contexts, I think safety, educational uh, materials around safety is really important. But you're going to have a different experience uh, with, with psychedelics if you're in a recreational setting versus if you're in a therapeutic setting. And so now we're seeing the full range, you know, ayahuasca ceremonies to, you know, on one end of the spectrum, you have people tripping at home alone with understanding the therapeutic purposes, you know, equipping themselves with uh, noise canceling headphones, eye mask, really choosing to, to take that time to process, working with an integration coach, a therapist. Mm. Some people will go to retreats, medical doctors present. All of these different scenarios will lend to a different outcome, but regardless of how you want to use it and work with them, it's really important to know that integration, plant medicine integration is the new ceremony. You know, 99% okay. of it is, is integration. And the psychedelic experience is a very small portion of that. So to answer your question, going back of like, do these start shifting the way we think, the way we feel right away. Well, I mean, it really also depends on dosage and the set and setting. So if you have no experience with psychedelics and you go down to Peru and sit in a ceremony where you are just drinking a huge cup and completely blasting off into the ethers, you know, that is immediately going to start affecting you, you know, (laughs) in, in that moment. Um, and then, you know, for smaller doses, like people who want to start working with psychedelics in a safe way, I have a guide on my website for how to have a safe psychedelic journey at home. Smaller amounts, a gram of mushrooms. Actually, psychedelics are very physiologically safe. They're, they're very safe on the body. You would have to consume an enormous amount of LSD, an enormous amount of mushrooms to have any level of toxicity in the body. So that's good to know. Um, But if you're starting to work with them in that way and you're really bringing the intention, intention is so important Mm. in how we choose to work with psychedelics and you are bringing this intention to find healing, healing a relationship, healing past trauma. uh, You know, there's there's so many intentions that people bring towards working with psychedelics, but intention is a, a very powerful force. And so if you're willing to bring intention go through the psychedelic journey with really the support that you need, given your situation, the proper set and setting, and you're fully dedicated to integration after the psychedelic experience, then of course you can witness huge changes in your life. 
And there's usually like a window of flexibility. You know, we call it like the afterglow. So you go to a psych, uh, an ayahuasca ceremony, you know, everyone in that in the, that community knows about the afterglow. Usually there's like two or three weeks after the ceremony where you're just like happy and amazing, you know, everything is amazing. And that's time to really catalyze okay, what are the changes that I want to bring into my life? And so that's a lot of the work that I'm doing is like, how mm. do we bring an extra level of education so that we understand, you know, and I, I weave together understanding the science of behavioral change, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, you know, understanding psychology, understanding the way that we define our lives based on the stories that we tell ourselves. So there's a lot of, of supplemental education that you can bring and you can do that yourself to really catalyze the transformation that you want to see. Oh, I really like this. And I want, I'm glad that you took the conversation here. Cause one of the questions I have now, like you do a lot of work with people. Could you give us an example of like what an intention might be to work with uh, psychedelics and then what some of that integration could look like? Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of work with uh, people with microdosing. So a lot of the intention around why people want to work with microdosing are to improve their mood, to improve uh, cognitive capacity. So microdosing is interesting because, because it's a small amount of a psychedelic, it's not this like mind altering experience where you're you know hallucinating while you're driving to work. If you accidentally take too much, that could happen. And that's why I recommend you know, schedule your first like handful of microdosing practices on a weekend where you don't have any commitments. You're not, don't need to go anywhere. Um, and so they, they lie just below the level of, of, uh, perceptual threshold, but yet think of them as like cognitive enhancements or perceptual enhancements. So it's like, you're not really paying attention to the way that they affect you throughout the day. But at the end of the day, you're like, wow, that was a really good day. I had a really good day today. I feel really good. Mm -hmm. You know, I was able to focus longer while I was doing the work that I was doing or, you know, whatever the intention is. So a lot of reasons that people do want to do these programs is because they want to feel more unstuck. They want to open up this, this channel of feeling more inspired, especially right now. So many people are feeling confused about a world post-pandemic you know, we, we know things are changing exponentially and we, we've not never been taught how to live in an exponentially changing world. Mm. And so for me, it's teaching people, how do we foster the skill sets, what I call the skill sets, the mindsets and the heart sets to change with the times and they're changing rapidly. It's, you know, these times they call this like we've entered the VUCA world. I don't know if you've ever heard this acronym VUCA, no. volatility, uncertainty, uh, complexity and ambiguity. And this is really challenging for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, we we know we're hearing people say that, you know, AI is going to take over 50 percent of jobs in the next couple of decades. We're probably training ourselves now for jobs that don't even exist yet. Uh, social media is changing the way that we live. Climate change is changing the way that we live. And so the way that I see my training is like, it's like up leveling humanity, one heart and one mind at a time. So I talk about skill sets, mindsets and heart sets. And what do we need to cultivate and to foster so that we can show up and affect real change in, on, in the planet, on the planet, in this world that we're living in, where people feel overwhelmed, 
that, you know, they're, they're not able to really make a difference or their voice is drowning in a sea of information. So I'm mostly working with entrepreneurs, with change makers, with visionaries, with people who want to understand what it means to work with psychedelics, to tap into visionary states, because this might be going a little bit outside the box, but just think there is a whole world that exists beyond what you know to be true. It's true for all of us. We have our own self-imposed limitations in our belief systems, but there are other dimensions of reality that exist here right now all the time that we just don't know how to perceive. And so psychedelics basically lift a veil of illusion. So now we know that even quantum physics, mathematical equations validate that statement that this world looks very solid. The wall behind you looks solid. This looks solid. But in terms of mathematical equations, quantum mechanics, we know that it's actually mostly empty space. It's 99.99% empty space. And so we live in this illusion that we think is reality, but it's not necessarily so. And so what psychedelics help us do is they, re- they allow us to experience what lives beyond the solid reality, the, the reality of energy, vibration, and frequency, mm-hmm. and to understand that we can actually tap into that. It's a field of possibility. And so I, my courses re- are the full spectrum from hard science, you know, all the way to some leaps of spiritual, you know, I won't say woo, but I'll say it, you know, but um, but it allows us to to really question what, what do we, what do we believe to be true? And the whole purpose of combining these kinds of training programs with psychedelics is to expand that boundary, that self-imposed boundary of what we believe is possible to create with our lives. So creativity, you know, the narrative around creativity is changing huge right now. A lot of people think, oh, you know, there's creative people and then there's me and there's there's a small portion of people who are creative and then there's uh, everyone else. But, you know, the number one skill set that a lot of experts are are naming as the most important skill set to cultivate in our time of change is creative thinking, creative problem solving. You know, so how do we learn these like very concrete cognitive tools to enhance uh, the way that we navigate and, and strengthen our emotional resilience, our mental resilience, our physical resilience, so that we can show up centered, grounded, strong, empowered in our day-to-day reality of our everyday lives, rather than, you know, all of these tidal waves of change just like knocking us over all the time. This is like strengthening that center that like, okay, I can actually show up to life and enact real change. And I can do that by understanding the way the mind works and by understanding my biology, the mind-brain connection, the, the, the mind-body connection. And psychedelics help us understand that. Psychedelics are leading the field of understanding neuroscience. You know, They're playing such a huge role in allowing us to understand the brain. So it's combining all of that together to really mm-hmm. offer people a a framework it's like a blueprint for up leveling your life whoa so interesting all of that is yeah fascinating and even just you know tying those different concepts together about helping us become more open and able to change it's kind of incredible to think of that and I like I never knew that this is really kind of the theory behind my microdosing and like mm. how it can be used yeah, it's almost like I have actually not seen on almost anyone else do anything remotely like this. So this isn't really the theory behind microdosing. This is just like my theory behind microdosing. But 
based on all the research and all the people that I've been working with, it's really amazing. And, it, you know, it, it can, it can, I mean, it makes sense, right? Combine something. Psychedelics offer a window of mental flexibility. They, right. We know now the research shows that they support neuroplasticity. So when you're in a state of heightened neuroplasticity, of heightened mental flexibility, what if we combined that with understanding how we change behavior, mm. how we change the state of our mind, how we strengthen emotional resilience, how we manage stress more effectively, you know, and like from that all the way to how do we perceive reality? I combine it with the neuroscience of perception. Mm. How am I creating my life based on the stories that I keep telling myself over and over again? And psychedelics help us. They, it's like the shaking of the neural snow globe. So it's like that reset. So it's, it makes sense, but I don't really see, I'm sure it's happening out there, but I don't know that many other people who are bringing it to this kind of level, you know, and it's great. A lot of moms and, and you know, entrepreneurs and all, it's not just for self-improvement. And I think that's also a huge distinction that I really want to make um, is that, yes, self-improvement is amazing. And, you know, we all want to improve our lives, but ultimately it's for, for this place of like, how do we improve so that um, we can help find challenges to the most complex, you know, co complex challenges that we're facing? I think I said that wrong. How do we find solutions to the complex challenges that we're facing? So it's not just self-gain. It's like, how do we bring this and, and really enact real change? Absolutely. I really like that. And the, the whole concept around having a specific intention when you're trying this too is like, that's what makes me even more curious about it. Not just, oh, I'm going to try mushrooms and maybe or whatever it may be and kind of like trip out and just see what it's all about. Like actually coming with your own purpose and intention to what you want to get out of it, whether it is self-improvement or, um, you know, trying to, I don't know. I, I think that's just like that really stuck with me now as in like an important reason to kind of like bring that and it make it a whole experience not just mm. um like to trip out i know that sounds so ridiculous but that's i think laura what a lot of people's perception what's that tripping is fun too though it's <laughs> like it also serves a purpose, but it's you know it's a different intention but yes sure. like bringing intention in and i think that's probably a lot of people's kind of like perception of what would happen or what it is. And sure, maybe, I mean, I've never done it. So maybe that's something that people really do it to experience. Like, I don't know. It's very interesting. One of the things that I really like that you're bringing up, Laura, because we've talked about it on a lot of different podcast episodes. I'm thinking back to our guests like Katie Fenn, Victoria Brown, uh, is stories and stories mm. that we tell ourselves and how they can be very limiting and hard to change. So it is, I think this goes to your point, Ashley, is it's really nice to hear that psychedelics and microdosing can be a method or something we yeah. can use to help ourselves really have the ability to change those stories that we're telling and give us that mental flexibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I said, you know, there is a place for recreational use. It's a full spectrum. Right. And there's also a place for really bringing the ceremony into your experience. And how do we bring more ceremony into like the everyday reality of our lives? Oh. But I know that, you know, when I was younger, I had some some really powerful experiences of, of more like recreational use. And one of the things that I feel like it really gave me was helping me take myself less seriously, where I just laughed from like the, my core of my belly mm -hmm. for hours and hours and hours. 
And through that experience was able to still say, you know what? I, I just do not need to take my life so everything so seriously all the time. So it's, you know, holding all of these different juxtapositions. There's not one right way. And I think that that's important too. And I'm, I don't hold the mindset that there's, you know, this is the way anyone should do anything. It's more like, hey, what about this? And try this. And have you thought about doing it this way? And, right. you know, more like more like that sort of interactive, interactive play. So you talked about some of the benefits and just kind of recapping them, like openness is one of them. You said mental healing was another. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what can be some of the benefits from this? Yeah, so pretty much like this, the research is totally dominated at this point. The psychedelic research is dominated by uh, looking at how psychedelics help treat depression, PTSD, anxiety, and addiction. They're like the big four. And it makes sense, right? They're trying to get government approval to heal a pand- like an epidemic that we're seeing mm. around the world. We see right now in the U.S. over a third of Americans are struggling with uh, anxiety and depression. It's huge. And so that was sort of one of the ways that it's helped uh, allow the research to happen again. And the research is super positive and very confirming to see that it can be very helpful. But again, all of these research studies have very specific set and settings. They have integration after the psychedelic journeys. And so we know that it's like, it's like pretty much common knowledge in the psychedelic space that, you know, psychedelics do help treat uh, mental illness in that way. And then of course there are other mental illnesses that we say, you know, you, you need to screen for, for not doing uh, psychedelics. Like if you have a past experience with psychosis, that's a red flag. You probably don't want to work with psychedelics unless you're working with a uh, you know, therapeutic guide who really knows what they're doing. But the key thing that's also really interesting is that the same neural underpinning, and this it makes sense, intuitive sense, but the reason why they help with depression is to think that depression is like ruminative thought patterns. So mm. remember when I said that we think the same thought over and over again, it's like the super highway in the brain, and then it's really hard to think any other thought, and that's how we get in those patterns of, of depressive mindsets and mentalities. Um, so when we have these substances that help sort of shake things up, then we're able to sort of break free from that. And it's very complicated on the, the neurochemistry side of things. Um, but it might have to do with the, the, they know that it has something to do with this default mode network, the me network. Um, but the, the way that it, the mechanism for which it works is very still unknown. It's somewhat of a mystery. But the same thing that helps psychedelics to help treat people from depression is also the same thing that helps people enhance cognitive flexibility. And so cognitive flexibility is another way of saying creative thinking. And so, again, it's like two ends of the spectrum. And so um, that's what I'm actually studying. So I'm back in grad school and I'm getting a graduate degree in science and the program is creativity research and I'm writing my thesis on the intersection and overlap between creative thinking and psychedelics. And so that's the area that really interests me because I also am someone who struggled with depression in my earlier years of life. And so, and also addiction as well. Uh, Microdosing has been a huge help for me in managing addiction. And when people who, anyone who's listening to this, who has spent five minutes feeling depressed or one day experiencing addiction 
then you'll know what I'm saying when it's almost like you can't focus on anything else. It's mm-hmm. just that you're just, it's so all consuming. It like consumes you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like everything that you think about, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's so at the forefront of occupying mental space. And so for me, you know, moving through that phase of my life, what I'm really interested in now is, is the, the other side of the spectrum of like, you know, optimal performance. Once we stop feeling depressed and addicted, then all of a sudden we have all of this capacity to want to do something with our lives and want to create. And so that's, that's more of the direction that I'm focusing my research on. And it's not hugely talked about in the psychedelic space right now, but I, I definitely think that the conversation is going more and more in that direction. And again, really changing the narrative around creativity and for me, you know, uh, I, I was that one of those kids who was told by their teacher, you know, you'll never be creative because you can't draw. And that impacted me so much. And so many kids are told that mm. these days. Um, our educational system stamps creativity out of, out of people. And so we have this huge workforce of people right now who are educated in an industrial education system that emphasizes conformity, basically. And, you know, psychedelics emphasize creativity, nonconformity, thinking outside the box. How can we do it a new way? And that's what we need more than ever, because we're facing the most complex challenges humanity has ever faced before. Mm-hmm. And you know, like Einstein said, we're not going to solve the problems on the same level that they were created. We need to think outside the box. It's like humanity needs a big shaking right now, mm-hmm. you know, shaking Absolutely. out of old patterns, shaking out of those old ways. Or at least a good kick in the pants, as my mother would say. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. One of the things I want to ask you just from from what you've talked about with getting these visions, having those ayahuasca experiences, which are bigger trips than like microdosing, is what is the experience when you're actually going on kind of a, a trip more so than doing that less perceptual daily micro yeah i mean everyone has a totally different experience so you can go sit in an ayahuasca ceremony and then the next day in integration you'll realize that everyone has a very different experience right i'm very visual so a lot of my my sort of peak experiences of the night are very much like dmt visuals very fractal like almost like you know huge expanded multi-dimensional time space realities you know it's very uh can be very intergalactic it can also be very uh rooted very much so like to the earth sometimes i'll go into like my cellular makeup or in my last ceremony i like saw the way that ayahuasca was like going in and tweaking my neural synapses to upgrade my brain and you know, I mean, sometimes I'll go into like past memories. I mean, this is, and it's so like everyone will have a totally different experience. So, mm. you know, like not saying that anyone else will or won't have any of that experience, but my experiences are, are very much visual and music play, plays a huge role in, in that, in the ceremony and the set and setting music is, is a huge component to our, our process of what we're processing and how we're bringing healing to that process. Oh. I just love, I I, I wrote down unlearn that really stuck with me and that I'm coming back to the same kind of topic about the stories and stuff, but it's like, we are also programmed when I was younger, I wasn't good at math. And I was told that by my teacher, we've talked about this before. It's a hot subject. We've talked about this with someone who's like a math expert, but 
it's like that has stuck with me. And I've told myself that story since I was young that I'm just not good at math. And I think that I've convinced myself that I'm not, I'm, I could be amazing at it, but I'm like, no, no, I can't do that. I'm not mm. good at math. So it's just so interesting that those things from when we're so young have just stuck with us and shaped us for the good or the bad in these weird, weird ways. And mm-hmm. I just find it's like, I want to get rid of all that. Like, I don't want to think that that's necessarily a true story or who I am. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. loving listening to you talk about these visionary experiences. Cause mm-hmm. I think as you've, as we've gone through this episode, I'm now understanding like the power of being able to open up our minds from those stories. So you can actually have these really, you know, expansive mm-hmm. visionary things come through you because obviously once you're able to let go of those things that are holding you back you can see things so differently right and they can catalyze the train the change and the transformation incredibly rapidly but it's a catalyst like i say Mm. they can show you the path they can illuminate the path before you but you have to be willing to take the step and have the courage to let go it's so hard to let go when you have those experiences where you realize and most people are holding so many stories that are completely unconscious they don't even realize it's a hidden contract that they have with the universe and they don't even aware that it's there but when you realize that you've been holding on to a little a, a limiting belief and you're in a process of going through the letting go of that you won't believe the amount of grief that could come up mm. from recognizing like, wow, this has made me who I am. And it's also supported me. It's like this story has become like a scaffolding for my sense of identity. And now I have to let go of that sense of identity. And even if it's a limiting belief, it's amazing how emotional that process can be and how much grief comes up, you know, mm-hmm. and how much that we recognize how much we've suffered because of a storyline mm-hmm. that someone gave you that's not even yours. It just, yeah. you know, Well, it's even like the depression topic. It's like I've experienced Mm -hmm. my share fair or fair shares. (laughs) Well, that was backwards of of feeling like that. And unless you felt like that, it's really hard for you to even wrap your brain around how that happens. Mm. But it's like this trap. And and it's the same thing. Like if you're starting to tell yourself stories about, oh, I'm too fat or I'm not smart enough or I'm this. And it's like those thoughts just keep going and going Mm. and turn. And it's it's it consumes you. But even Mm. the last few weeks through the podcast and talking to people, I feel like there's walls or stories or things that I've had up that have just slowly been coming down. And it makes me feel so much more open and happier just through thinking differently as crazy as that sounds. So I can imagine altering your actual state of thinking Mm -hmm. and and going somewhere different. Like that would just be mind blowing, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Lord, this has all been so eye-opening and like I've loved this conversation so 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 much if people like how can people start exploring this more and like if they're interested in starting like experiencing microdosing where can they start to learn more about this yeah I have just finished putting together a seven-day free course delivered through email um so by the time this is uh live I'll be I'll have that site up um, it's, it, or that page on my website up. So I can just give that link to you. Amazing. Um, but doing research, you know, I'm through the seven days, it goes through some of the benefits, but also the risks to be aware of, you know, do your own research. And again, it's kind of like holding that balance. Like if you over research how, you know, a journey might be, or, you know, what an ayahuasca ceremony might be like, 
expectations can also play a big role in that experience. So it's kind of that balance about like knowing enough, knowing what you need to know, and then letting the experience just be what it's going to be for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's a great place to start. And if anyone does have questions, I also offer like brief 30 to one hour uh, consultations just to kind of assess where people are at. I do a medical intake and uh, give suggestions for depending Amazing. on what they want to do. And then, of course, I also have my, my programs. Um, but there there's so much information out there on the Internet. It's it's you know, there's there's definitely a lot. So I've gone through the process of really just sifting through what people really need to know and then delivering that in uh, in a concise fashion without it feeling like an overwhelming process and shooting arrows in the dark. So I would say that the seven day free course is probably the best place to start. (laughs) We love that. And we'll link uh, your website in our show notes as well. So everyone can can check you out there. Laura, where uh, can people find you? My home base, as I call it, is livefreelauradeep.com. And so that kind of links out to all of the projects that I'm working on. Amazing. Same, same handle on Instagram, livefreelauradeep. We love that. And before we wrap, we have two questions left for you. Always. Okay. Um, what lights you up right now? What are you excited about? Yeah, this whole conversation around creativity and psychedelics is really lighting me up in a big way. I mean, enough for me to re-enter institutionalized education systems. <laughs> Very <laughs> fair. Good point. Which, you know, <laughs> saying a lot for me. Uh, but that that's really lighting me up. And um, just the potential of the, the cataclysmic breakdown that we're watching right now is such a, it's like, it's so mind expanding to just watch the way that things are falling apart and holding a lot of hope that we're going to collectively break down to break through, that it's kind of like one big human ayahuasca ceremony on the planet right now, <laughs> that we're, we hopefully will move through it and come out the other side and there's a lot to be sort of discouraged about right now, but there's also so much to be inspired by and excited by and, and hopefully the remaking of the way that we fundamentally live on this planet can, can change. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so true. I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes through all this pain and suffering and craziness. This is awesome. Before we wrap, Laura, we want, we have a game called Queenie Grams. It's made up. It is very easy. And all oh, it's called Queenie Grams. And oh, Queenie. <laughs> it's very We've made it up. It's very easy. All you do is pick a number between one and ninety-nine. We'll ask you a question. Then Ash is gonna go, then I'm gonna go. We do a quick little round. Okay. So pick a pick a number. Yeah. Uh, eleven. Eleven. Ooh. Uh, okay. Do you brush your teeth when you first wake up or after breakfast? Ooh, I brush my teeth before I go to bed. We and love I, that. I, oil, I oil pull in the morning. Ooh. See, I'm not even, I'm not even on like my standard answer isn't even on the list. <laughs> I know, but you can, I love hearing about that because, okay, what is this oil? It's oil pulling. Is that what you said? Oil pulling. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know what this uh, is. It's like an ancient yogi practice. Um, it's just put, you just put uh, coconut oil in your mouth for 10 minutes and swish it around without swallowing it and like really get it through your teeth. Your teeth will feel so good. Mm. Do that with some charcoal brushing and your teeth will be like so clean and white. You have beautiful teeth. Like actually I was thinking of that when you were talking that you have beautiful white teeth. So, Hey, my whole life without cavities 
Wow. Any, any problems. So I, I just brush before I go to bed and I wake up and I oil. Amazing. Okay, that's my answer. We love will have to try that. This is why we love these questions because we never know what's going to come up from exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the best answer yet for that one. All right, Ash, pick a number for me. Uh, 36. 36. Ooh, is weed for you? Oh, that was a really... Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't really partake. And I mean, I used to a lot, lot, lot more. But I mean, no, it's not like part of my daily routine. Okay. It's not... It's not your jam. Like I'm not for it or against it. I just like if it's around I'll have some, but I'm just like not thinking about it. Laura, what about you? I used to partake quite heavily actually, but it's it's not for me that the the way that it interacts with my brain neurochemistry. It's not my medicine, but I totally support and respect all of the millions of people that find a lot of healing and uh, pain relief and you know, all of that from that medicine. It's a powerful plant, so I respect it, but not for me in my daily life. Totally. Mm. I'm kind of with you. I think that there's so many people that have such great experiences and benefits from it. And sometimes I haven't had those experiences and I'm kind of jealous that other people do that. So, you know what? <laughs> All not good. for me. All right. I'm going to end. Oh, it's all about set and setting. Set, if you have okay. like paranoia, you know, it's like have a little bit of weed, but like be somewhere, you know, comfortable alone, not like out with other people interacting like social anxiety mm-hmm. inducing situations i love that i'm gonna do 72 what is my favorite childhood cereal mine is honey nut cheerios but i'm interested to <laughs> laura what was yours i actually was not a cereal eater but we always had honey nut cheerios in the house okay. i was like a, a, a bread and peanut butter and banana Ooh. for breakfast and a person. I, I didn't like milk actually growing up. Oh, that's fair. Cereals. Yeah, but peanut butter and banana on toast. Oh, oh. yeah. I love peanut butter, banana. <laughs> You're into it. Ash, what about you? Um, I really liked Honey Nut Cheerios. That was that was a big one. And I think, is they are they alpha? Oh, the alphabet. Alphabets that are kind of like a Cheerio, but alphabet and a little sugarier, I guess. We love those. Mm, are Cheerios Canadian? I don't know. I, I think they are. I, I mean, it totally is like nostalgic from like my Canadian upbringing, but I don't, really? I don't think, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, you might be, be right. I, I mean, we'll take credit for it if that's true or whatever. It sounds great. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that when I asked the question, I was like, okay, Laura will have the same, same point of reference for us for, for this anyways. Uh-huh. I love that. This has been so good and so informative. I took so many notes just for like my own personal things that I was like, Yes. This makes so much sense. This has been such a mind opening conversation, Laura. And just, yeah, thank you so much. It's your approach to psychedelics is incredible and beautiful to hear and just really like a wealth of knowledge, I feel like, which is very helpful for people that want to, you know, really understand what it's all about. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's definitely my my path and. Yeah, I feel I feel honored to be here and having this conversation and spreading this information. So thank you for inviting me on. It's been also really nice dropping in with both of you too. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. We love you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review. You can chat with us on social media at Rival and Queen. We'd love to hear from you.